Hello and welcome to What The Buck. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's Before we jump into this amazing podcast episode, I wanted to give myself a little shout out. I have started making breast milk jewelry and I'm so excited because breast milk jewelry was something I always wanted to remember my breastfeeding journey by because it was a hard time. It was equally as hard and sacrificial as it also was just joyful and beautiful. And the idea of having a piece of jewelry to just remember the season by for a lifetime felt really special to me. So I've started making breast milk jewelry. I'm just so excited to just be able to do this for you guys and offer it to you. You send your milk directly to me, to my house. I preserve it. I handcraft every single piece myself into jewelry. Um, Right now I'm just doing rings, but I'm planning on doing a couple more things too as we go. And um, as I, you know, just master everything and get my systems down. But I'm excited. It's so fun. It's so beautiful. You can go onto my website. It's www.thehoneyandgold.com. Also, our Instagram page is just thehoneyandgold. And you can look at everything. You can see what we're offering right now. Browse around. Please do not hesitate to ever email me um, or DM me over Instagram or anything like that. If you have any questions, you can reach me through either one of my Instagram pages, What the Bump CLT or The Honey and Gold. But I hope you guys just love it. It's so fun. It means the world to me to have your support. And it would mean the world to me if this is something you're interested in. If you've ever thought about ordering a piece of breast milk jewelry, to order it through me and let me make this wonderful, beautiful piece for you. I promise you're going to love it. So... All that being said, please check out my website, thehoneyandgold.com, and let's jump into this podcast episode. Welcome back to another episode of What the Bump. We have Victoria on the podcast to share her birth story, so thank you for being here, and thank you for sharing your story. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, share. (laughs) Awesome. So starting off, tell me a little bit about yourself and your family. Um. I'm a nurse. I just had my son four months ago. Um, my husband and I have been together for almost six years, but we've been married for about a year and a half. We actually had our baby the day after our one year anniversary, um, our wedding anniversary. So, um, and we live in New York, but not the city. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What kind of nurse are you? Uh, I'm an oncology nurse. So I do outpatient chemo. Gotcha. Okay. How was that with being pregnant? Could you still even administer? Um, no. So we do a lot of immune therapies too. So I did some of it. We actually mix our medications too. We don't have a pharmacy do it for us. So I couldn't mix or handle chemo when I was pregnant, but, um, there was still plenty of other stuff to keep me busy. Yeah. They'll keep you busy. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So you had your baby four months ago. Tell me about finding out you were pregnant. So we were trying, uh, we were actually on our fifth cycle of trying to conceive. So I was, um, crazy about testing. So I knew I was pregnant when I was like three and a half weeks pregnant. Um, I actually found out five days before I was supposed to get my period. I swore I wasn't going to test that month until I missed it because I was tired of getting my hopes up. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No big deal. Um, and I decided to take a test before I was leaving for work and thought I saw a line, but 
I thought I was going crazy. So I posted it in one of those Facebook groups, which I also swore I would never do. But I was like, you guys think this is positive? And everyone was saying yes. So when I came home, I took another one. Also thought it might be. And I took it digital and that was actually positive. So I had planned to um, tell my husband, I knew I wouldn't be able to keep it a secret for long. So I wanted to give him those stereotypical dad shoes, like the New Balance yes. sneakers. So I bought them like months in advance, knowing I wouldn't be able to hold it in. And then I brought them downstairs to give to him and he didn't get it at first. He made a joke about being a dad. And I'm like, oh, well, you have nine months to break in those sneakers. And he was like, wait, what? You said you were going to take a test until Friday. And yeah, That's he was, so we were, he was really excited. That's a very cute way to to tell him. And I can imagine that like going right over his, his head, like, thanks for the dad shoes. Um, yeah, it definitely took him a minute to figure it out. Yes. That's awesome. That's, that's very cute and unique. I always said I was going to buy my husband a pair of those. Um, and I still have yet to, so you might've just gave me an idea for down the road. Maybe when we have our next. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very, very cute. He's okay. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are. And how was pregnancy? Uh, pregnancy was actually pretty smooth for me. I was pretty lucky. I had, um, nausea, but no real like vomiting. One of my first signs was actually that I didn't like coffee, but I thought maybe like our coffee pot needed to be descaled or cleaned or something. So I didn't connect the dots at first and then realized it was actually that I was had an aversion to coffee for the first half, which was rough because that's my favorite. But, um, and at the beginning, I didn't realize how much you get cramping and didn't realize that was (laughs) uh, normal to have that. So I was really freaked out that something was wrong and I, yeah, I didn't know that that was a normal part of early pregnancy. Um, and everything was pretty smooth until at 29 weeks, I was actually at work and I was like, I feel like I'm, I have my period. I have cramps, my back hurts. My coworkers are of course like you have to call your OB, but I was like, no, I don't, you know, I'll wait and see if it gets better. I'll sit down for a little bit. But, um, I ended up going in and they said I was having contractions, but I wasn't dilating. And, um, I ended up getting diagnosed irritable uterus which I'd never even heard of before they told me that's what it was um so that was the only real like problem I had during the pregnancy other than just being huge and miserable at the end because I worked until I delivered so yes um, did they and they didn't like did they give you anything do anything put you on any precautions for the irritable uterus or were they kind of just like oh you're just gonna kind of you know contract on and off but it's really not doing anything that's yeah they didn't really do anything for it they just told me to listen to my body if I felt like I didn't feel well you know take it easy they wanted me it happened on a Wednesday I think and they told me to stay out of work the rest of the week and I was like I really can't do that we're really busy this week and they're like well you at least can't go tomorrow at least take one day off and see how you feel so I took the day off and then it got a little better but it did happen on and off um and then I did have some like prodromal labor later on so I don't know if that was because of the irritable uterus or just a normal. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Like how much it varies because some people, you know, I have clients all the time who like have never felt a Braxton Hicks in their life until they're literally in labor and having contractions. And then other clients, and even me, I was just like you, like I, from 
I would say like 29, 30 weeks on contracted all the time. They were just Braxton Hicks. They were never painful, but I contracted and cramped all the time. I'd be at work, my whole belly getting so hard every three minutes, like, yeah. but it wasn't painful. So I knew it wasn't labor. Um, but you know, some women just have so much uterine activity prior and some people don't have anything. It's so crazy how vastly different it is. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that, how it can be. So pregnancy in general, so different for everybody. And, um, prior to that happening, I expected to go to like 42 weeks. It's my first baby, you know, he's not going to come for a while. And then when that happened, I was like, Oh, maybe he'll come a little early, hopefully not 29 weeks early, but you know, maybe he'll not wait that long, but he did. He waited till 40 weeks. Yes. (laughs) As as they almost always do, no matter what happens, no matter what they say, I tell everybody plan to be pregnant for 41 weeks. That's like my soapbox Um, for, especially for first time moms. I'm like, you need to think about your due date as seven days after whatever they tell you. Um, And then it doesn't feel so bad at the end. still not fun though. Yeah, no, it was definitely not fun at the end, but it was worth it. <laughs> yes. So overall, you know, besides the irritable uterus, sounds like you had a, a pretty smooth pregnancy. I know being a nurse, you mentioned working till your due date that definitely never makes it easy because, um, we don't get the luxury of like, you know, my clients are like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, go out a week, two weeks or go to work two weeks earlier, work from home two weeks earlier. I'm always like, so envious of those people because as a floor nurse, like that is not an option. Um, yeah, so it, it keeps you on your toes. <laughs> yeah. I was lucky being outpatient because my coworkers were understanding if there was a day, you know, we all kind of worked together. So if there was a day that I was having a harder time, they're like, you know, we'll Take help you out. And yeah, yeah. So that was nice, but yes, I'm sure it was even harder being a floor nurse and running yes. around for 12 hours. And- yeah. You know, it, I, you know, it, it preps your body good though. <laughs> yeah. Probably, probably yeah, why I mean, we had a lot of uterine activity too. <laughs> Yeah. It kept me on my, kept me on my feet. That's for sure. I actually have a couple of clients who are also nurses and I feel like they're also the ones to get a lot of like activity prior to labor, tons of false alarms, um, you know, Braxton Hicks and things like that. And I really do think it's because, you know, you're just so active Um, you're not drinking as much water, you know, dehydration, too much activity, all those things. Totally. Yes. Yeah. And still peeing every five minutes, even though I wasn't drinking enough water, but yes. Okay. So leading up to your birth, what were your birth preferences? What were you planning? Hospital birth, birth center, home birth, um, epidural, no epidural. What did that kind of look like for you and how did you prepare for it? So I actually changed OB offices when I was 20 weeks, not because I didn't like them, but it was the OB I was seeing prior to getting pregnant was far from where I live. It was like an hour away. Um, and I was like, I don't want to drive this far when I'm labor. And they kept saying, Oh, you're a first time mom. It'll be a long labor. But I was like, no, I want to be closer to home. And I'm glad I did because they actually ended up closing their, um, L and D department when I was like eight months pregnant. So had I not switched, I would have really had a hard time finding somewhere else. Um, so I went to a practice that was mostly midwives. So they did take more of a holistic view on labor and delivery. And it was a birth center at a hospital. So it was kind of like a combination between the two. Um, and they were great. So I did want to have an unmedicated birth. My plan was to labor at home for as long as possible, which ended up not happening, but I wanted to be home as long as I could and be unmedicated. (laughs) Sorry. He keeps uh, trying to tell his side of the story. Yes, he is. He's like, I was there too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I did want to be unmedicated. I was so afraid of getting Pitocin. I watched the business of being born. So I was, did not want the cascade of interventions to happen to me. And, um, 
I decided I wanted to take a Bradley class, but by the time I decided it was too late because I didn't realize that's a 12 week thing. I thought I could just take an online course. Um, so we just did like the hospital provided course, which I that helped me as much as I listen to a lot of positive birth stories. I listen to your podcast and YouTube videos. And that's all I did was listen to positive birth stories to try to prepare myself. And like you said, it's mind over matter. So you got to get in the mindset that you're going to do it and then you can do it. Yeah, it definitely is a huge, you know, huge mental thing. It's not about, I, I tell everybody, it's not about your pain tolerance at all. That's actually yeah. very irrelevant. I'm the kind of person who will stub my toe and complain about it for three days straight. Um, but I was able to birth a baby without an epidural. So it's not my pain tolerance at all. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. <laughs> That's awesome. So planning birth center unmedicated with midwives. Um, so I know you kind of mentioned, um, you were going to labor at home, but that did not happen. So kind of get into your birth story and how that unfolded. So at 39 weeks, I knew I wanted a membrane sleep because I wanted the baby out and at my practice, they won't do one until 39 weeks. If they would have done it sooner, I would have had them do it in a heartbeat. Um, I was actually two centimeters at my 38 week appointment. So I was like, you sure you can't do it? And they're like, no, we can't do it till next week. You have to wait one more week. Um, so after that, I was super like crampy and spotting and I was like, oh, it's definitely going to, and even though they told me that could happen and it could mean nothing, I was like, oh, it's totally going to happen tonight. I'm going to go into labor. And I went to bed that night and woke up the next morning and felt fine, but I called out of work. It was a Friday. So I was like, I'm not going in. I was so upset that I wasn't in labor. And, um, so I just kind of stayed home and relaxed that day. And then the following day we decided we were going to go, it was winter time. I was due in March. So it was still cold in New York. And we decided we were going to go to the mall and walk around to try to walk the baby out. And while we were there, my water broke. Yeah. So first I was like, maybe I just peed, you know, I didn't go to the bathroom right away. I'm like, maybe that was blood because I'm spotting. And then I went to the bathroom and I'm like, no, that was definitely my water breaking. <laughs> uh, there's no doubt. So I called and I thought they were going to tell me to come right in. And I was excited. And they were like, okay, you can go home. Um, if your contractions are five minutes apart, call back. If not, um, call back in the morning. Cause it was like three 30 in the afternoon. And I was like, wait, what? I so they told you, you could stay home till the next morning. So like what, like 15, 18 hours ish that would have been. Yeah. That's so amazing. Cause that's I was not really that surprised. Common. That's amazing. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised because I, I was like, oh, well, there's no way I'm going to go to the morning and not go into labor. But I went home and we were like cleaning and getting all the bags ready and putting the car seat in the car. And, you know, I was bouncing on my ball and pumping and trying everything and went to bed around like 11. I finally gave up and I was like, OK, I'll just go to sleep and then maybe I'll wake up in labor. And I didn't. So I tried to wait till like 730. You know, I want to wait till after shift change to call in the morning tried to wait till like eight o'clock and they told me to come in at nine and um for an induction so I kept pumping like pretty much until we left for the hospital because I didn't want to get induced I didn't want Pitocin um but at my membrane suit the midwife had actually told me I was a three and she could stretch me to a four so I was really excited until I got there and a different midwife checked me and said I was only a two so I was like, okay, so I guess we're starting. Yeah, I guess we're starting from, you know, a lot less than I thought. Cause I thought maybe I dilated even though I wasn't contracting and no. Um, so they did cytotech um, and nothing was happening. 
Um, and then they did the next round and we were just trying to nap and relax. And we didn't really sleep much the night before because we thought, you know, we could have to go to the hospital at any time. Um, and then I got the second round of Cytotech and uh, about two hours later, because I think they could do it every four hours. Is that? So about two hours later, nothing was happening still. And I, the midwife came in and asked how I was doing. And I started crying and I was like, I don't, I'm so scared. I don't want Pitocin. And, you know, I don't want to get an epidural and nothing's happening. And how long, you know, can I wait since I've been ruptured for, at that point, it was almost 24 hours. And she goes, what are you talking about? You're not on a clock. She goes, you're doing fine. Baby's doing fine. We're minimizing checks. And she's like, you're not on a clock. I don't know why you're talking about C-sections. You're fine. Just relax. I'm not rushing you. You know, your body will do what it has to do to put you into labor. So she was amazing. Um, and less than an hour after that, I started contracting. So I think once I finally relaxed and didn't feel rushed and pressured, that's when things picked up. And she was right. She told me that it was going to go really quickly once it started. And it did. I think I texted my mom at about 6.15 that contractions were starting. And then not even 20 minutes later, I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, they're getting really bad. And then I didn't text her again until after the baby was born. So um, from the time my contraction started to having him, it was actually pretty quick. They started around six and he was born at 12.38. So I didn't, I expected a lot longer labor for an induction, um, but it was actually not too bad. Um, yeah. yeah, so once my contractions picked up, she checked me and then I was actually four. So she said she didn't want to check me again unless it would change anything. Right. So um, after not very long, I ended up, you know, I had told them I didn't want pain medication offered to me unless I asked. Uh, and I said, I might want to labor in the tub, but I didn't want to deliver in the, that wasn't really something that I thought I would like. Um, so after about an hour or so of laboring in the room, walking around, I ended up getting in the shower and that was the most amazing thing ever. I was having my husband spray my stomach and my back. And I just kept telling myself every contraction, like, okay, it's almost over. It's almost over. And then after a while, they weren't going away. And my nurse, I was like, I feel like I'm not getting a break. And she said, looked at the monitor and she was like, you're right. You're not. And you know, you and baby need a break. So she gave me some fluids to sort of space out the contractions and slow things down a little bit. And then it was a lot more manageable, um, after that, but then, um, I guess I was trying to ask my husband times because it's hard to know. It's like you're in a time warp in yes, labor. labor land. <laughs> yeah. So he said it was probably around like 930 or so. He asked the nurse, if you had to take a guess right now, how dilated she is. He's like, I know it's a long shot. What would you say? And she's like, well, she's swearing and shaking and throwing up. So she's probably like six to eight. If I had to take yeah. a guess, <laughs> she's like, she's starting to say she can't do it. So it's probably about six to eight. Um, and she was right because not long after that, I was saying like, I can't do this anymore. I didn't ask for the epidural, but I was definitely thinking, uh, I totally get why people get epidurals now. And, um, she's like, why don't we throw you in the tub? If you're saying you can't do it, that I'm sorry. No, you're okay. <laughs> she's like, that's the next step. Like, we'll put you in the tub and see how you feel. 
And I wasn't in there more than an hour before I said I felt like I had to start pushing. And also not long after I got into the tub, uh, it was my husband and I alone in the room and the door opened to the tub and flooded the whole room. And there was actually no drain in the room. So he was trying to grab him and my nurse were grabbing every towel they could find on the unit to try to clean up the water because the whole room was flooded. That's amazing. (laughs) yeah my nurse said and midwife both were like yeah we haven't seen this happen here and uh this is a first so but I of course didn't care the room was flooded I was like where did you go you were you know rubbing my back during yeah. contractions like what are you doing and he's like the room is in like two inches of water I'll be there in a minute <laughs> um so when I said I had to push they checked me and said I just had a lip left so if I wanted to push I I could push through it or I could wait. Um, And so I was sort of like pushing, but not really pushing hard, just sort of like listening to my body and a little bit that you like can't help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I remember a lot of the birth stories I listened to people said that um, pushing felt better. And to me, it did not. And I'm like, why did these people lie that pushing felt better to me it, like hurt so much to push and I know everyone's different but um I felt like I was betrayed because I thought that the pain would <laughs> ease up when I started pushing I didn't think it felt better necessarily either I think at that point though everything is so intense that there was no getting worse but there also was definitely no getting better it was just that was at, it was at the max that it could have ever been at yeah that's how I felt too I was like how do people do this more than once and um, I was on my hands and knees and they were having a hard time. Uh, they were having to use the Doppler since I was in the tub and they were having a hard time finding his heartbeat because he was down so low. So they had me flip on my back. Um, and that was way less comfortable. But once I was in that position, I felt like, I'm like, I can't move. I need to just stay here and get him out. I leaned into my nurse and I was like, can I have an ice pop? And she said, sure, I'll get that for you and left the room. And my husband had told me afterwards, he didn't hear what I asked her for. So she asking for meds. She's made it this far. And now she's like asking for medication. And he said he was so confused. And the nurse came back with an ice pop, like what would possess me when I was 10 centimeters dilated to think I wanted an ice pop. I'm so confused. I like had to take a second to realize what you were saying also. I, yeah, I don't, I have no idea why that's what I wanted, but that was like, like a popsicle. Yeah. While you're pushing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just making and sure. My nurse was like, okay, sure. I'll go grab mm-hmm. that for you. And it was before I was really actively like, you know, knees up pushing. Yes. But it was still, I was definitely like fully dilated and about to have baby. And that was like, I don't know if I maybe needed sugar. And that's why my brain was like, maybe get your energy up. <laughs> but, um, I pushed for about an hour and a half and I asked my midwife while I was pushing, I was like, how many people say they're never doing this again? And she's like, everybody. And she said, you will, you'll be back within two years, probably. And I was like, I don't think so. And she goes, no, you will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she's, I kept saying like, I couldn't do it. And she told me, you know, it's going to get worse, but then it's going to be over and you'll feel better. And it's not what I wanted to hear, but she was right. Like I just had to get through the last little bit. And, um, I, she kept reminding me to push slowly when he was getting close and he was crowning for like 
four contractions after he stopped going in and out and she was like just remember you're stretching and not tearing and, and uh she really coached me through pushing slowly as opposed to just pushing him out as hard as I could which was a big part of the reason I didn't want an epidural was so that um I wanted to be able to feel what I was pushing and not tear and um she was providing like pressure and while I was between pushes to help like giving perennial massages like while I was pushing um which really helped because I ended up not really needing any stitches but um I don't know if I said this at the beginning but I was in labor on our wedding anniversary which was the one day I said I didn't want to have him it was um I was due March 31st and our anniversary was the 27th so I was like I will have him any day but the 27th and of course that's what almost ended up happening and my husband told me oh you're only 30 seconds from midnight um to not have him on our anniversary and I said I have not been holding back I just I don't care anymore what his birthday right. is. I just want him out um but he ended up being born at 12 38 a.m on the 28th and he did great he came out and cried right away his apgars were actually nine and nine so he did really well and um I got to do the skin to skin right away after he was born in the tub they put a blanket over him and had my husband pouring water over him to keep him warm while we were doing skin to skin. So they um, let you actually birth in the tub too at the birth center you were at. Yes. Okay. That's amazing. They do not allow that in North Carolina. So at least anywhere that I know of um, at hospitals, especially. So that's awesome that you were able to give birth in the tub um, or at least in the Charlotte area. I can speak to that for sure. Yes. My midwife said that uh, not a lot of people end up birthing in the tub, but a lot of women labor in the tub. They only actually have one at the birth center I was at. So it's sort of luck of the draw yeah. you get to use it or not. And like I had said, I did not think I wanted to deliver in the tub. I just thought I was going to go in there and labor for a little while. But once I was in there, I was like, nope, I'm ready to get him out. And um, yeah, it's. I was really glad that I was able to to deliver in the tub and they let him stay on me for a little bit. And then I'm sorry. <laughs> You're okay. Goodness. He's talking. <laughs> um, he just discovered that he can make noises besides crying. So that's all he does <laughs> now when he's awake. Hey, it's better than crying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll take it. Um, so they let me do skin to skin in the tub for a little while. And then when it was time to deliver the placenta, um, they took him to the warmer, which was in the same room to sort of clean him up while I did that. Um, and I asked my midwife, I was like, is this going to hurt? And she said, well, it doesn't have bones, so it'll be easier than what you just did. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I was able to deliver the placenta pretty quickly. And then they moved me to the bed and gave me the baby back. Um, and one of my requests was that I wanted to see my placenta afterwards, which was so cool. Um, I didn't end up encapsulating it or keeping it, but I just wanted to see what it looked like and take pictures. And I thought it was so cool to get to (laughs) see what kept him alive for nine months. It's like crazy that you have that and a whole baby in you that whole time. Um, And I remember they gave me that I am Pitocin afterwards just to make sure I didn't have any bleeding and I don't like needles. 
and which is ironic being an infusion nurse, but I really hate needles. And I asked them if they could give it to me IV instead. And I told them I didn't like needles. And my nurse said, you just had a baby without any pain medication. And you're worried about getting a needle. She's like, you'll be fine. I promise you can handle it. (laughs) And she was right. It was totally fine and didn't hurt. But, um, I was worried about that after just having him. And, um, yeah. How was, as far as, um, you know, that immediate postpartum, like healing, how, how were you feeling, especially, you know, those first few times getting up, um, going to the bathroom, everything like that. Yeah. So getting up right after I delivered the placenta to move from the tub to the bed, I think I still had so much adrenaline flowing. It was actually in a different room, but they were connected. So I think I had so much adrenaline that I was totally fine. And they moved me to the bed and I was, you know, felt great for having not slept for a couple of days and just having a baby, but then they gave him to me and I was able to breastfeed and hang out for a little while. And then I asked my nurse if I could take a shower and she said, sure, let me grab someone else. And she came back and said, everyone else is busy, but you have to promise me you'll tell me if you don't feel well, because I don't like to do this by myself. And, um, of course I got up and I started to not feel well, but I knew I wasn't going to actually pass out. So I was like, okay, I just have to rinse myself off. Like, don't tell her, don't tell her. I know. I was like, don't say anything, but I just was dying to shower. I felt so gross after having him and being in the tub, the water gets so gross afterwards. Um, I definitely bled a lot more than I thought I would, which was, they said I only had a normal amount of bleeding, but I have pretty heavy periods and thought postpartum bleeding would be similar. I didn't expect it to be that much more than what I was used to. Um, And I was surprised how sore I still was, even though I didn't really tear. I had like some minimal tearing and didn't need stitches, but I still was really sore and um, I definitely needed help going to the bathroom and changing mesh underwear from the hospital and um definitely couldn't do it by myself for the first couple days but uh I remember my tailbone really hurt too after um from the way I was sitting in the tub I was sitting on the edge of the seat to push and um my tailbone really hurt with the postpartum contractions um and my arms were really sore. And I remember saying to my husband, I don't know why my arms are sore. I don't know what I did. And he said, well, you were breaking my arm when you were pushing from squeezing. He said you were probably squeezing onto the side of the tub and yeah, so hard that, yeah, my arms were sore for a few days afterwards. It literally too. feels like you did like the hardest I would say it feels like a CrossFit workout because it's like every inch of your body kind of feels like you were hit by a truck, which is sounds like really negative to say it like that, but it's true. Like your arms are sore, my your tailbone, like oh my gosh, the for me at least also like awful tailbone pain, so terrible. Um, your arms, your legs, your stomach, my ribs hurt. It felt like I had broken my ribs, um, or at least like bruised them. You get very sore. <laughs> yes, I was not expecting how much like you said it is exactly uh, as negative as it may sound like getting hit by a truck I mean it's all yes. worth it and you have the adrenaline that keeps you going for the first few days so yes I mean just I kept up on taking Advil and I was fine 
you know, after a couple of days, I felt a lot better. Right. But, um, yeah. So how are you feeling now four months out? I would say I feel a hundred percent. I think after the first few weeks, I felt a lot, like I felt pretty much back to myself. Um, I think I overdid it the first few weeks after I had him because I felt pretty good at first. So I was doing things like our second day home from the hospital, we went to Target because I needed more pads. And I, I think I was doing a little too much right after he was born. And that prolonged things. I, you know, started to be sore again um, a few days after we got home. So I realized I had to take it easy, even if I didn't want to and wanted to be busy all the time. But um, I actually just went back to work this week. So that's been hard dealing with pumping. And um, he actually, um, when he was a week and a half old, had laser revision of a lip and tongue tie. Okay. Um, it wasn't affecting his nursing, but they said that it would affect his speech when he got older. It was actually harder to nurse him after he got it revised, in my opinion, because he had learned how to nurse with it. And then when he got it fixed, he didn't know how to he had to learn how to nurse all over again. Yes. So, um, I mean, now it's totally fine. Um, and he's, he's a chunky boy. He definitely figured out how to eat, but, um, that was hard and it was heartbreaking to see him get the revision and do the, we had to do stretching exercises afterwards and he would scream and scream and he's a really easy baby. I mean, he sleeps through the night already and, um, he wasn't super fussy as a newborn. And so to hear him cry like that, every time we had to mess with him, uh, incisions was really heartbreaking. It's like rubbing salt in a wound. We also had a tongue and lip tie laser revision and the stretches are, they're awful. Um, you feel so bad doing them as a mom. Cause it literally would be like you having a wound and then somebody, you know, pressing on it and pulling on it. Um, but I was just like, I'm doing this for you, not to you. I'm doing this for you. And that, that helped a little bit, but very, very hard for sure. Yeah. There were definitely times when we were both crying when I was doing the stretches and yep. having him get it done was hard enough. And then I think the stretches were harder because yes. getting it done took only like a second yes. and he was fine. But, um, yeah, the stretches was definitely hard for sure. Yes, the stretches are very, very hard. <laughs> well, Victoria, I loved hearing your story. Thank you for sharing it. Do you have kind of anything else um, to add? And of course, I want to know kind of what your top piece of advice would be. Um, I definitely want to say that people should trust their gut because they know how to take care of their baby. Everyone's baby was made for them. So uh, I know people get a lot of advice and it's not always helpful when they're a new mom. Um, and I'd also say to not listen to all the negative birth stories because everyone want, wants to tell you about their horror story when you're pregnant and how horrible labor is and how bad it is, but it's not always like that. And, um, you know, obviously it's not easy. It's called labor for a reason, but it's worth it and it's, it's possible. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. I say to a lot of people, like, you know, you'll hear people be like, oh my gosh, yes. My birth was this many days and it was so traumatic. And there are so many things that you can do also to like legitimately combat that as far as just like being proactive while you're pregnant, like trauma comes from 
a lack of education. It comes from things happening to you that you don't know are happening to you. So if you educate yourself, um, you know, listen to birth stories and podcasts and YouTubes, like you said, even that can give you so much education, do a birth class, um, you know, hire a doula. If you can have a good midwife, it's all about just surrounding yourself with a good birth team. Um, and, and just being proactive towards educating yourself can go such a long way. I agree completely because I actually like, wasn't really anxious going into birth because I did feel prepared. And I felt like I knew I'd listened to so many different types of birth stories that I knew a lot of different ways it could go. Um, I think sometimes being a nurse can help and hurt you. I'm not an LD nurse, so I don't know as much about that, but sometimes I think you can know too much. And, um, but I think being prepared that it could go anyway and trying to keep in mind that it was birth preferences, not a birth plan. And uh, because like I said, I, I swore I would not get induced. My practice actually would have let me go to 42 weeks if I didn't go into labor on my own. I know a lot of places don't let you go past 41, but um, I was like, I'll go to 42 weeks. I'm not going to let them induce me. And then of course that's what ended up happening. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you pivot with those things. You keep your birth preferences. You maintain as much of that as you can, but yeah, nothing, nothing is ever set in stone with birth. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. The baby, uh, comes up with their own plan on how they want to get here and they're the boss. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. And then they stay the boss after they come out too. So yes, they do forever, <laughs> yeah. forever. <laughs> Well, Victoria, this was so great. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and sharing your birth story. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational